Welcome back to another episode of Grow with the Bros. Today we have special guest Danny Horbachuk, who is the executive director of the Brothers That Just Do Gutters franchise. And for those of you who have been paying attention, just about nine months ago we had you on um, to talk about this. And now, nine months in, we're going to see how it's going. And uh, we have a really bunch of cool topics today. So one, reflecting on Danny's first year leading the franchise. An insider's perspective on managing a rapidly growing franchise, lessons learned, strategies implemented, and challenges overcome, and the one I'm looking forward to, imposter syndrome. (laughs) Valuable insights for leaders in similar positions. So get ready to learn, be inspired, and grow with the bros. Welcome, Danny. Thank you. Appreciate it. You're welcome. My first question is, your first year as an executive director, uh, tell us a little bit about that. It started out just trying to get a feel for what I was stepping into. You know, I'd been around the franchise, obviously, uh, managing Hudson Valley, and you guys have been gracious enough to keep me involved in a lot of that right from the beginning on the franchise side. So I was aware of some of it, but one of the big initiatives I took right out of the gate was uh, to make phone calls to each location and uh, and speak to them and kind of get a feel for what it was like out there, how people were doing, what their thoughts were on franchise, kind of get a gauge on what I was stepping into. Um, so that was that was a big undertaking, trying to uh, to reach out to all those people. <laughs> um, it took a while, but it was well, well worth it. And it was surprising. Um, the responses were overwhelmingly good. I remember I would call call yeah. Ryan uh, daily. You know, I'd go through, uh, do what I had to do during the day, then I'd spend time making those phone calls and I'd, I'd call back and, and essentially report into what I was hearing. And it was super positive. You know, there were there were some hiccups here and there and stuff that we had to work through, and that that's what I was really looking for. I wasn't calling out there to get just good news. Mm. I wanted to get a feel for what I needed to do and what was expected of corporate. So, but it was it was overwhelmingly positive, and uh, I was really really happy I did go down that route. That's awesome. Nice. It's funny because as uh, anyone who runs a business, you know, typically the the negative thing is what makes it to the top, right? You never get you get tons of emails and calls about how wonderful everything is. You'll get one or two like, hey, this happened. Yeah. So how cool that, you know, your first dial through 100 people was overwhelmingly positive. I love that. And I feel like that actually opened up. <clears throat> I, I do get, fairly often I get emails and phone calls now about the positive side of things. And I, f- I feel like that first reach out was really kind of spurred that and helped awesome. that along. So as a result of all those phone calls and the feedback that you got, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. What kind of goals do you see that evolved um, out of that uh, exercise that you did? And how did that shape the rest of the course of the year? Well, the first thing we realized is we needed a better insight into into how they were doing quicker. So we've been working with companies on business intelligence to really get a good view of what's happening. So, you know, because a lot of times we can spot stuff possibly before they even realize it but we have to have a good look at the numbers to do that. So it really made us aware that we need to see what's going on there and uh, and be able to keep up with that. That's been one of the biggest initiatives so far this year. And, you know, we're we're in with a company now um, and it's it's been going really well. It's great. So you're kind of on the uh, tail end, front end of uh, rapid growth, right? Mm-hmm. Our system saw ridiculous amounts of, of, of sales, new franchisees. Um, and I think, Kind of right after that big pop, we kind of 
you know, yeah. put you or, you know, you got promoted into that executive director role. What has some of the techniques been to kind of manage or at least sustain that? The, the biggest thing for me is <clears throat> learning people's tempo. You know, everybody works at a different tempo and trying to get a feel for uh, not only franchisees, but coworkers, you know, getting a feel for that. Um, one of the things I struggle with the most is I like to get things done quickly. Not everybody works at the same speed as me. And I don't work at the same speed as others as well. I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but coming coming to realize that I can't expect people just because I would do something quickly doesn't mean they will. As long as they're doing it well and doing it right, which they are. And that was the biggest thing for me. It was trying to get a hold of that. And mm -hmm. I feel like I had some tough lessons with that and, and I'm learning still. But um, that that's kind of been the biggest thing. The rapid growth, it's... It's tough because you have people in all different stages of their business and trying to learn the struggles. It's not one size fits all. The struggle for somebody who's been in business for five years is completely different from the guy that's been open for three weeks. <laughs> so understanding how to not only help them, but how to speak to them, how to, how to guide them through things. Um, you know, in the beginning, as you guys both know, it, the sky is falling every day. You know, so talking them through that and getting them through and relaxing them, keeping them calm to get them over that hump. Yeah, but there's no better feeling when you you talk to somebody that was, they were ready to crumble. You know, they were panicking, and then suddenly it clicks and they get over that hump. That's the best feeling ever to hear. You can hear it in their voice. And, yeah, you know, it's do really you, cool. Do you find that there's um, through your experience of of getting people to get over that hump? What is what you use that word? Um, what is the common thread that you find that gets them to the other side of that and scaling their business? It's going to sound uh, <clears throat> repetitive, but follow the system. Mm -hmm. Follow the system, trust in it. There's so many people out there that have been successful with it. you know. And, and I know a lot of people like to tell you, well, my market's different. They're really not. The system works in all the markets. You have to use it properly. You have to follow it properly. And when you do that, it works. So yeah. when you say follow the system, because I hear this a lot, it's, yep. it's really overused in the franchise world and in business in general, especially for people who are scaling your businesses, what would you say are like the top three things that would get somebody over the hump that they should be focused on in in a system? I mean, business being business, what do you think uh, would be helpful for people that are trying to do that? Make sure first, make sure you have the right solution. That's coming from a sales background here. You know, I, I look at sales quickly there. So making sure you have the right solution is don't hang on to the wrong person for too long. You know, if they're not hitting the numbers you need, it's going to affect everything down the line. So making sure that you have the right person in place or doing the right thing by you, they're hitting the right metrics. That's huge. Um, marketing, getting out there, marketing yourself as well. I mean, we'll market for you. We do what we do, but there's so much more to it. You got to get out there and you got to, you got to pound the pavement. You know, you got to make yourself known. Um, you're coming into a territory that people may or may not be familiar with the company, the brand. So it's your job to make them familiar with the brand. You know, we do what we do on our end to help, but you got to get out there. You got to hit BNI events, chamber of commerce events, touch of trucks, uh, community fairs, anything like that. They can get you in front of people and get your name out there. So they start getting used to seeing you. Um, so those, those are two of the biggest things that we, we see often overlooked. You know, people don't, uh, they don't dig in enough on that. And, and it shows the ones that do it well, do well. That's awesome. So what's one of the biggest wins or um, positive experiences that you've seen or something that 
happened that really stands out that was surprising, that was fulfilling, that was something in the system that really stood out to you? Well, I just had a phone call recently. I'm not sure if this is exactly where you're going, but I spoke to one of our franchisees down in Tennessee. Um, and we talk occasionally, and it's always a great time talking to him. And he had mentioned to me, and he, he always says the same thing to me. He's like, Danny, if I would have known this a couple of years ago, back when we were sitting at dinner before confirmation day, I couldn't have been any happier. You know, And hearing his his journey mm. and his growth and He's done, you know, we, yeah, we always say follow the system and it gets, you know, kind of like, all right, whatever. But here's a person who truly followed the system from day one and his success is phenomenal. I mean, I just talked to him the other day. He's booked six weeks out solid with work, running three trucks, looking for his fourth truck. And I think he's year and a half in maybe. Wow. Pushing two. That's how many territories. I knew you were going to hit me with that one. (laughs) I don't know off the top of my head. But that's great. Yeah, but yeah. and very positive, super happy, you know, and love that. Just his his energy is great. Um, he was telling me that people are coming to him for work. He's not even, he doesn't to the point now where his reputation is so good with the workers he's got. They're fantastic. They love it. He made one comment that really stuck out to me, and I'm like, this is a guy that understands the culture and what we're about. He said when they started, he goes, you couldn't stand in the parking lot at five o'clock because you get run over from the guys trying to get out of there. Hmm. He goes, the other day it was, I don't know, I think maybe six thirty, seven o'clock. Don't quote me on that, but it was a couple hours after. And he goes, I went in the back and all the guys were still there just hanging oh. out, talking about football. And, and I'm like, that's, that's top level culture building. That's, you know, you went beyond culture. You're building a family. Love it. And then in the back of your brain, you're like, I'm hoping they clocked out. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, and that goes way beyond, um, you know, a system is is basically a bunch of things you follow, right? But the culture part of it and intertwining that into into the system, I think is an integral part. And and, and really, (laughs) I think the difference between people who are having fast growth yeah, you can focus on sales and marketing and, you know, the system and production and all the things that make the business go around. But um, you as the individual is leading that company has to really uh, set the tone for uh, what the culture is going to be. And um, I think that's, you know, one of the most important things. A hundred percent. I had somebody approach me, a local business owner up here <clears throat> a couple of years ago. I was at a uh, an outing and... Uh, this person approached and they asked me, it was the oddest question. They said, all the stuff I see online, brothers gutters, that that's all fake, right? That's props. So I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like the videos, stuff like that. I'm like, what do you mean fake? Ken's hair and makeup. This is all <laughs> when that gutter <laughs> fell down off good looking real person. <laughs> when the gutter fell down off of that yeah. that house, that was no, a prop. Just, uh, all, all the other stuff though. And, and they were serious. And I'm like, for real? And they're like, yeah, well, you know. I, I see it. I, I just can't believe that that's a real environment. I'm like, it's a hundred percent real. If anything, you're not getting a good look at it. It's more positive than what you get to see. You get to yeah. see glimpses of it. And their comment was, well, this is a big company has been around for a while. Their comment was, well, we're, we're trying to build a culture here. I'm like, don't kid yourself. You have a culture. Mm-hmm. It might not be a good one, but you have a culture. It's good. So, and, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it's things like that. The little eye openers that you get once in a while that you realize you know, that all the hard work that you put in and everybody puts in, it's worth it. You know, you live in a day to day. So like anything else, you can kind of take it for granted, mm-hmm. you know, but when you hear something like that, it really makes you think about how special it is and, and what's been built here. And that's, that's you too. 
Oh, oh. I appreciate that. So as an executive director, right, how do you feel like, well, since we're talking about culture, how do you how do you take culture, right, at the franchise or level, right? Because you have a team that you're in charge of here mm-hmm. at corporate, and then you have your franchisees. How do you, as an executive director, what do you see? What are your goals? What are your strategies to mm-hmm. um, make that culture overlap from the franchise or support into the actual franchisees and, and having that collaboration, having that, um, you know, the art and science of that. How does that work? What's, what's some of the things that you're doing to that enhance was, that? Honestly, one of the things that scared me the most as the franchise started taking off, you know, the idea of all these strangers in our house is how I used to look at it. And then come to realize, I mean, we've added so many great people here and it's, it's just gotten bigger and better as you're adding people into it. You know, um, the people that find this brand find it because of what it is. It's not because, you know, none of us are here because of gutters. We're here because of the culture of the brand, the brand itself. So it attracts a certain type of person that fits in with that culture. Um, as far as what what we do here, it, every interaction that we have in every department with a franchisee is a reflection of our culture, which in turn essentially helps train them to create their culture. So we're just really critical about making sure that we're you know, our interactions are thoughtful. You know, you're taking care of people, you're timely, getting stuff done in a timely manner. So really stressing getting stuff taken care of properly with them. And again, it's like they say leadership starts at the top. It really was to the leader. So if we're doing it in a in a crappy way, for lack of a better term, they're gonna assume that that's the way they should handle it as well. So on our end, the best thing we can do is is make sure we're taking care of them well, you know, and, and like I said, they're good people. You know, I, I've said it time and time again. I was concerned in the beginning. You know, there's so many different backgrounds and so many different people here. It's amazing to me how well it all meshes together. You know, yep. at conference, when you see everybody at conference hanging out, you're like, where would that person and that person ever have crossed paths and been hanging out having a drink? You know, to me, that's it's amazing to see that. Awesome. Do you see that trending too? Like where franchisees are getting their businesses to a point, scaling and culture's good, all that. Do you see them getting more involved in the franchiser side of things? I do. Uh, I've spoken to multiple franchisees that want more to do within the franchise. And and we're working on a bunch of different things right now, uh, different committees on different, you know, different topics, whether it's a call center, whether it's marketing. We have one currently for the conference, the yearly conference, um, that, you know, we're grabbing four or five franchisees and, and putting them together in these these forums essentially and, and working together to make this whole thing better for all of us. That's Great. awesome. Awesome. I love that. So much I want to add about culture and all these different things, but I think we're going to try and stay on topic today. All right. <laughs> so, um, you know, we talked about a win and I love that. I mean, there's nothing better than a franchisee hitting their rhythm, finding this success, realizing everything that they hoped it would be. And it's starting to shape into that. And now it's given them that time, the money, the freedom there really is nothing more rewarding than those types of stories and calls. So um, love to hear maybe uh, challenges, you know, uh, any significant challenges that you faced and then obviously how you overcame it. Well, some of the biggest challenges are, are when people are struggling, you know, and, and it happens, you know, uh, we'd be lying if it said it, it, you know, everything was always perfect. You know, we do everything we can to make it as, as great as possible, but Occasionally, you'll get somebody in that may not be a great fit. They don't, they, you know, they don't really enjoy this industry, or they're not meant for it. Those ones, you know, 
those ones, they bother you. But if somebody has an outlying issue, like, you know, we've had people that have had family members that were ill and, and it caused a strain on the business. Those are the ones that hurt the most, I think, because you see somebody that's, they're all about it. They have the right intentions. They're doing the right things. And there's an outside force that's affecting them. Mm. Um, in those situations, we do anything we can to, to get them through. You know, we have, um, we do morning huddles every morning. Uh, all the uh, directors get together and we discuss what's going on. If anything has come in overnight or from the day before and anything that somebody could be struggling with, we discuss it. We talk about who should be involved, what we need to do to get them over that. So that was something we implemented probably four months ago, I think, five months ago. Um, and that's been a game changer because what happened before that was somebody, a Z could call in and speak to somebody in marketing or somebody in operations and talk to them about a struggle but somebody in support might not realize that they're going through that or somebody in marketing may not know that they talked to somebody in operations. So being able to get together and all of us talk about that and discuss a plan and what we're going to do and hold each other accountable, mm. that's the biggest thing, the accountability. So when you put that note on the board and we all know something's going on and somebody needs to be involved in that, the next morning, if, if your due date for that topic is tomorrow morning, you better have an update on that. You know, your team is, is watching for you to handle this now. So that's been kind of a, a game changer as well. Oh, I hear you. No, that's great. So I'd say let's get right into imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. All right. So everyone hears about this. If you haven't, well, you heard it here first then. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just going to read the definition. Imposter syndrome is a fizzy, no, it's a psychological occurrence in which people doubt their skills talents or accomplishments and have a persistent internalized fear of being exposed as frauds. Despite external evidence of their competence, those experiencing this phenomenon do not believe they deserve their success or luck. All right. So no matter what, you know, you could be Michael Jordan and you've got all these rings and everything and you're just, when are they going to figure me out? <laughs> yeah. And it's funny you say that because a lot of the times it's, they are, people that are tops in their field that suffer with it the most. Yeah. And it, it's a quiet, you don't really hear about it. Mm. So Actually, even hearing the definition gave me anxiety. So yeah, why don't you talk about that? I didn't even know what imposter syndrome was until I started here. Um, I was going out, it was probably my second day with the company. And I went out with one of the salesmen that was here prior to me. And we were driving along and he was asking me about my background. And my background is not typical of business. You know, uh, I was a touring musician. I was very fortunate there. I got to travel around the world and play, um, did the whole MTV thing. I was able to achieve a lot of things that I wanted to when I was younger. Um, after that, I raced motocross. Uh, I started very late, so it wasn't a pro thing, but I, I won titles with that. <clears throat> so, but what he noticed and he pointed out to me was that anytime he would ask me about something, I would throw something in to downplay it. Like with the music. Oh yeah, but it's not like we're Metallica, you know? <laughs> Or with the racing, yeah, but you know, I was in a, you know, it was a regional class and stuff like that. And for me, I always viewed it more as I'm not a bragger. I don't, you know, I, I didn't want to come off like I was bragging about stuff, but that's all part of it. You know, you, you downplay any successes. And again, I wasn't even aware of it until mm. um, until he pointed it out to me. And then I started doing some research into it and realized what it was, you know. has a name. Yeah, <laughs> it's a thing. It's not just me. Um you know, and then we've talked about it with, I mean, team members and stuff like that. And a lot of us go through it. You know, it's something that it, you don't even realize it, but once you, once you can put a name to it and a description, 
it's a lot easier to handle it, you know, because you know it starts kicking in. You know, uh, I took some classes uh, about a year ago where they talk about that and they call them your saboteurs. Mm. You know, when you're doing something, you get a voice in your head that says, you don't deserve that or you're not good enough for that. That's what they call a saboteur coming in and, and kind of, so as you become aware of that stuff, it makes it easier to, to get past it. Yeah. It's funny. I just had this happen to me. Uh, imposter syndrome. Um, you know, my son, Brogan, he's got basketball on the brain and uh, he just lives, eats and breathes it. And when we moved to Virginia a year ago, I was like, you know, what are we going to do now? We don't know anybody. We were having a hard time breaking into the whole basketball thing. And I was like, well, maybe we should start a team. And then imposter syndrome. There's no way. I don't know anything about basketball. I didn't play basketball growing up. I watched it on TV. I was a Knicks fan. You know, I like playing out bad, you know, but I was a wrestler, yeah. you know, because I couldn't get on the basketball team because I sucked. <laughs> Height we you do know. not have. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's funny because I had it big time and and then, and I still had it like even a, a year later after training with one of the best guys, uh, Kyle Rowe, the captain of Liberty uh, basketball team training with him and Brogan and you know I'm learning so much stuff but I still had this thing and it was like and then it came down to starting our own AAU basketball team and they you know I met this guy John who was a, a coach for like 15 years and he wanted me to coach with him and I'm like dude I don't know <laughs> nothing he's like you know more than what you yeah. you think right and uh and I remember having conversations with you like that where, yeah. you know, you would say, you know, I don't know about this, Ken, or whatever. And I was like, Dan, you, you know more than what you <laughs> you think. Like even with sales, right? I mean, you were selling music. You were you were organizing band gigs and doing all kinds of stuff that was selling that. Yeah. And it didn't maybe feel like sales at the time or when you worked at the landscaping place and you were selling all different products and services there. And just throughout your whole career, there's times that your experience is what got you the success that you've had here. And it's the same thing, you know, for all of us that are dealing with that. It's just head trash. And the sooner that we get out of it and put ourselves in a position to do it, uh, and that's when great things happen, you know. And I signed up for the deal. I was a coach, and we have a great team. Awesome. And we're winning games. So it's uh, it's it's good. So. Don't listen to the voices in your head. <laughs> I think one of the, the benefits for me anyway <clears throat> with the whole imposter syndrome thing is it forces me to do a deep dive on anything I'm getting involved in <laughs> because I feel like I need to know as much as I can so I don't look like an imposter. Yeah. You know, so it really, uh, you know, when I get into things now, it drives my wife nuts yeah. because I dive in as deep as I can. If, if it's music... I don't want to know about the person that I enjoy listening to. I want to know what inspired them to create what they create. You know, when I was racing, the the guy that I looked up to on a pro level, I wanted to know who he looked up to, who, who taught him, and, you know. So it's caused me to learn how to do deeper dives mm. in, in anything that I'm really kind of, uh, that I'm working in. I don't necessarily think it's like the worst thing ever mm. because the opposite to me is somebody who throws around their degree. Yeah, And they, well, I got a degree at MIT and you should listen to me. And it's like, all right, but does that really mean as much as we think? And sometimes it does. I'm not yeah. poo-pooing it, but it's just funny how some people that might not have put in the extra work or really dug in or really did like the background or the heavy lifting to get something somewhere, sometimes will sit on an experience or a past job or something. And I think that's almost equally as 
you know, can hurt them because they're maybe thinking, oh, I don't have to work as hard as Danny because I've been here before. Yeah. So I like it. I, I don't like it all the time. I remember being part of a mastermind and, and it was one of those ones where they wanted us to really get vulnerable. And I remember sharing, I'm like, no matter how much success we see, every time we do this, I'm like, I don't know why I'm sitting there celebrating on the outside, but I'm kind of wondering like, all right, but how long is this going to last? Or when is that shoe going to drop? And it was crazy. It was a group of seven or eight other business owners and six or seven were all like, dude, that's me all the time. And, uh, and I believe I even shared that with you and you're like, that's imposter syndrome. And it's, uh, like, I think it helps guys like us work harder and we never want to rest and we never want to stop being a learner. Creates an overachiever. Creates an overachiever. But I do think there is a balance of, you know, be happy for yourself, be confident in what you can do. Um, so there's that other voice playing on your shoulder too. Like, yeah, yeah. I think too, what we teach too, uh, which applies to this is that when you define what you want, you want it to be a, a musician. I want it to be a business owner. At, at some point I made a transition in my head to wanting to be a business owner or even be a basketball coach now. Yeah. Um, once you define that and then you start learning the things that you need to learn to be proficient at it, uh, and even become an expert at it. Um, and you've done it before, you know, the, you know, the effort and the time that it's going to take to get from here to there. Yeah. And when you can do that, you know, to all our listeners out there that are listening, you know, define what it is that you want to do and accomplish and then learn from somebody that's already done it. Like you just said, and like we've all done many times with many different things. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what we do. I, I put myself in a position that I can learn the game of basketball with somebody who's done it since they were f- fourth grade, yeah. right? Um, and then now I could pass that knowledge along to somebody else like my son and other kids. Um, but it's the same thing in business too. It's the same thing in everything in life. And that will define uh, what we learn. will define, and then we just go out and do it you know, and, and, and make it happen. And I think that's one of the best ways that you can combat that imposter syndrome is to, um, set those, you know, this is what I want. This is who I'm going to learn from. And it's, it's pretty much bulletproof Then you're going to get there. Isn't that kind of the whole idea of joining a franchise? <laughs> Absolutely. That's <laughs> Absolutely. It. It's a shortcut yeah. to success. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of reasons why people don't have success is because they're doing something that they were told to do and maybe that wasn't the best thing for them to do and they're being told to learn something that maybe wasn't the best thing or path for them to go down and that defines the rest of their life and uh you know and that's what i love about business business can be whatever you want it to be agreed and i've just noticed like through your journey um you're always you're never afraid to stretch beyond your comfort zone you'd sit there you just settled into being a a good salesperson. And Kenny's like, you're gonna be the sales manager. You're like, I don't know anything about it, but you know what? All right. If you see something in me, I'll do it. And then the next thing was general manager for the Hudson Valley location. Then the next thing is executive director. So I just think it's really cool that, you know, as you continue to do awesome things and as you start to build proof, and I thought that stood out to me in the definitions, despite external evidence of their competence, you know, running a hundred plus franchise, um, having, I still think you hold the highest sales, it, you know, from six years ago. No highest way. sale, gross revenue sales. Gross in revenue one year. sales in one year. So these are all external evidence, yet you could probably still go home 
And so one yeah. thing I think, you know, many of you may have heard of the great philosopher, Stuart Smalley, but positive affirmations, he always says, I'm good enough, I'm strong enough, and doggone it, people like me. <laughs> no, wait, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, smart enough. and doggone it, people like me. Um, and I heard another thing years ago, we had a speaker at a conference and he said a lot of crazy stuff. But one of the things that stood out to me is he's like, he said in his, you know, he's he, very passionate. He's like, I'm not better than anybody, but nobody's better than me. Yeah. I remember you said that. And I was like, that. it was so awesome. Cause it's not thinking that you're better, you know, but at the end of the day, it's like, but nobody's better than me. I thought that was really great because I sit I mean, I'm part of CEO groups. I'm part of Vistage. I benchmark with uh, hundreds of other businesses across the country. And it's hilarious that we're sitting in a round table and we're talking and these people are talking and then they're like, but Ryan, I want to know what you think. I'm like, you're better than me at everything. I mean, in my head, I'm thinking, you guys are brilliant. You you know, when they tell me about their training program, I'm like, well, that sounds better, you know, or they tell any of it. And then at the end of the day, like I have to realize like, no, what we have is absolutely awesome. Yeah. You know, what we have done and what we've built. And it is funny how there's this internal struggle of of that imposter syndrome that pops up. 100%. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, you always say that I, I like to live outside my comfort zone, but I see that with everybody in this company. Everybody stretches. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I, I kind of came up with my own little motto was to to live to say yes, but learn to say no. You know, so have the heart to want to learn and do everything and know when to be able to step back. Because mm -hmm. um, that, that was something that affected me for a while too. Uh, I would say yes to everything. And I just, you overwhelm yourself. You have to learn when to say no. And saying yes was a lot easier for me than saying no. <laughs> so I had to learn how to, how to do that. And that's a really good uh, segue into insight for leaders. Uh, not just leaders in business, but also people who are in leadership roles uh, within companies themselves, what are some advice and insights that um, might be helpful uh, to those type? You know, any type, any any person that's in a leadership position that you uh, might be able to pass along here. Nothing groundbreaking here, but listen, listen way more than you talk because you'll hear you'll hear how people view you. You'll hear what they expect of you, what they want from you, what they like about you you know, what they need from you. So if you're actively listening to what they want and not worrying about what they may need, mm. we'll help you. And you helped me with that a while ago. We were talking about something and you said, they really need that. I'm like, well, why wouldn't they want it? Yeah, but do they really, do they want it? Are they asking it? Are they for asking it? for it, yeah. And, and that was kind of a, a little bit of an aha moment for me, I guess. As simple as it is, you know, you kind of, you sit back and you look, you're like, you know what? They're not asking for it. So while I'm focused over here on what I think they need, they're asking for this, but I'm so focused here, I'm not hearing this. Yeah. So really, listen. That's the biggest thing. That's listen to what, what people are saying. And people will like you for sure if you're a good listener. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, one of my mentors, Brian Altman, um, he said to me years ago, you know, how, you know, he was asking me about the coaching. You know, and he's like, really, are you getting that much out of the coaching? And I'm like, well, I don't, I could have never done this without a coach. I don't know how you don't have a coach. He goes, my coaches are my clients and my employees. And it like, and I, at first I was like, oh, that's not enough. And then I was like, holy cow, your clients continually tell you what you want, what they want. I'm sorry. Your franchisees continually tell you 
what they want, your employees do. I'm like, holy cow. So what you just said is, listen, like we have our best coaches all around us. And yes, do you know, peers and masterminds and all that stuff is valuable. And he, he does see a lot of value in, in all of that, of course. But that really hit me is that, man, every day we're actually be, being given the answers of what could make something better. Yeah, and that's uh, and coaches coaches charge you money, right? Uh, but all those other things that are 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 right at our fingertips, and all that feedback is all free. Yeah, yep. it makes you if, if we're listening. Well, that's Ryan it. Actually, shared something with me similar to that um, when I was doing sales. I asked him for some some tips one day or something, and he said, "At the end of your sale, when you win your sale, he goes, I do this every single time, and I've probably said this multiple times. Ask your client, why did you choose me?'" And he's like, don't expect to be flattered because it's the simple stuff that everybody overlooks. And he could not have been more right. Um, and, and I took that and I, I continued to do that all through my sales. And I used that to to kind of gauge where I was going and what I needed to do. And it made a big difference just listening and making sure you're doing what they want. That's awesome. I love it. So before we wrap up, any uh, any big plans? Continue this beast growing. <laughs> um, it's been great. The franchisees are amazing. Um, been fortunate enough to be doing some travel for different events and meeting up with them and getting some time to to sit down in a you know quiet environment and and talk and and it's been incredible. Really hearing how they view the business from their side and how they view corporate from their side has been an eye opener. Then being able to come back and share that with the team, you know, have some team members with me as well at times, and it's important for them to hear that too. So it's at the end of the day, all this is about people. Mm. You know, we hang gutters, we do this and that, but it's really it's about relationships and building them. It's about the franchisees creating the relationship with the customer. It's about us creating the relationship with the franchisee. So for me, just to continue doing what we're doing, helping them get to that next level, getting them over the hump and getting everybody, you know, growing, continuing to grow and get to that next level. And and we're seeing it every day. You know, we have a bunch of a bunch more salespeople that will be in the million dollar club this year. We have a bunch of locations that are doing, you know, increasing their sales as well tremendously. There's a lot of success stories out there. Now it's about getting them to share with other franchisees so they can see the path that they're on and what they did to get there. We talk a lot about um, personal development, mm -hmm. right, as a company. And if we're not developing personally, eventually our franchisees, our employees, there's nothing left for them to come and get from us. Tell us a little bit about what have you done or how are you keeping up with your personal development to continue to make sure you have plenty to give? Yeah, I think you said it, but I'm not sure which one of you guys If it me. was good, it was me. <laughs> no, he learned probably, everything he it knows was probably, from me. Yes. It's true, it's true. <laughs> now, you were talking about the well running dry and, and I realized at that point, I'm like, holy crap, I haven't read anything in a while and I'm... I'm, I'm so a couple of years ago. Yeah, I'm just throwing out the same stuff over and over again. I haven't been able to add anything new. And when I would talk to you guys, there was always new stuff coming out. So it was kind of an eye-opener for me. Like, it's learning's never done. Mm -hmm. Learning is continuous. It keeps going on and on, you know. And um, so I've been through uh, some courses through Cornell I've been doing. I just got a, a certificate for project management through yep. them. Uh, I received my CFE from the International Franchise Association um, earlier this year as well. So just continuing the to, speaking one. Oh yeah, and that was another Cornell course, uh, public speaking. Executive so just presence. for those of uh, you, 
Danny had to go in front of a shopping center and recite Shakespeare to strangers as part of one of the assignments. So talk about committed to self-improvement. Did they make you do Romeo and Juliet? Now it's my daughter out there with a cell phone filled with me standing on a sidewalk and people looking at you when they're walking by. So Kylie, if you're listening, 100 bucks to get that footage. Yes. It was was tough. I'm not afraid of being in front of people. You know, my whole youth and right up through my early 30s, I, you know, I played music in front of people, but it was different. I had four or five people around me. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just me up there. Um, so it's a bit of a learning experience to, to kind of get that. And my imposter syndrome kicked in Fistage. when I would watch you guys speak. Uh, Ken, yours hit me in San Antonio at our conference there. And I remember the intensity, like the pauses in your speaking, and it hit so hard. And then you're just so natural, and like you have a fun-loving vibe when you're talking. And it's an engaging. And then watching Mario and Brandon, you know, they're such good speakers that I just looked and I'm like, man, I gotta step my game up. And one of the probably the biggest things I learned from that is to relax, take your time, let it breathe. You know, and I think I've changed a lot since then with that. I'm not. You know, the instructor actually told me at one point, he's like, I don't even have to look at your, you know, your page. I can tell you're from New York. Wow. We're spitting stuff out so quickly. He's like, I can't believe you don't pass out from lack of oxygen. (laughs) So it was, it took a lot for me to learn to slow down when I was speaking. And I think one of the the first big um, results that we saw from your effort in improving your speaking was at the conference in front of 150 people when you, did you close it? I forget. You had a really good, awesome speech. There was pauses. There was humor. Yeah. And I'm like, holy cow. Like, that was awesome. Yeah, that was uh, written 2 o'clock the morning before. <laughs> 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, didn't really know how to how to cap everything that had been done. Want to lose Thank sleep? You. Get asked to speak at something. Yeah. That's the best way. <laughs> and then the other one, I think there's more that you've obviously done. But um, one that kind of sticks out to me, because I think your imposter syndrome kicked in a bit when you joined, was Vistage. Yeah. That was kind of like, oh, do I even belong in this room? Yeah, 100% kicked in there. Uh, I'm I'm in a Vistage group with some phenomenal people in great positions and have done amazing things. And it still blows my mind every month that they they call on me for stuff. And, you know, it's been an eye opener and it's definitely helped tremendously. We haven't really touched on the idea of imposter syndrome, but I'd be willing to bet if I asked in that room, I'd see seven or eight out of eight or nine hands go up. You know, um, because so many people go through it and it seems to be, you know, like I said, when you see some of the most successful people in the world, talk about it. There's a driving force behind it that, you know, pushes Mm -hmm. people to levels. So it was, it was an eye opener for me there. So I think if we learned anything today is most of us feel it. Anybody who's doing something worth doing is most likely battling that, but we've just learned, you just press on. Yeah. You know, uh, Kevin Silguero has a company on Monday and he talks about being in the right room. Yeah. And I love that. Or no, wait, that's Leader Farm, right? The right room, um, which he's involved in. But I love that, that just like, I'm in the right room. You know, I belong here. And if you're in the wrong room, get into the right room, right? So there's a lot to be uh, said for overcome it. Everyone has those doubts kick in. Step forward stretch and get yourself to the next level. The only way to know if you're in the right room is to open up. You have to open up. You got to put yourself out there because otherwise you'll be seen as somebody that's not ready for that because you haven't shared. 
Yep. So you need to be vulnerable. You need to open up and put that stuff out there so people know you're supposed to be there. Big brother, any words of wisdom as we close out? Yeah, I, I got some uh, closing thoughts here. Uh, listen, listen is always uh, a good thing to come back to. Um, you know, sometimes uh, just sitting there and taking it in, for whether it's an employee or a franchisee or even in your own personal life, um, just knowing when to speak and not to. Um, and, you know, when's the right time to add what you uh, can bring to a setting or group or whatever you're doing. Um, I think it's more impactful too than if you just show up and throw up all over your employees or whoever that you're trying to coach or whatever. I think taking a couple, listen to what's happening, listen to what's going on around you and take a couple things or one or two. And that's something that's really helped me a lot over the years is, is, you know, instead of having to dominate a meeting or whatever, whatever you're trying to do or, um, because then you become the horse's mouth and people stop listening and just tune out over after a while. And, uh, you know, give, give a little bit when you can and make it be impactful. And I think the rest of the time, I think your advice on listening was very, very good. Biggest thing, like I said, with imposter syndrome, just, you got to put yourself out there. You got to overcome it. Um, you know, I talked about last time, Life starts outside your comfort zone. I truly believe that that you need to to grow. You need to get uncomfortable at times. So with imposter syndrome, it can be hard because you get nervous about putting yourself out there. How are people going to view me? You got to step past that so people have the ability to view you. If you don't get past it, they'll never know what you're capable of. Love that. That's an awesome yeah. last saying is life begins outside your comfort zone. Love that. So thank you all for listening to another episode of Grow With The Bros with Danny Horbachuk. Thank you.